Whereas you find people who are kind of on the way up and they're just getting their first kind of experience in that level or they're, you know, those are the people who will really put the graft in because they really care about you. And also like they're the people that if they care about you, they're going to give you more. Welcome to Fascinating Entrepreneurs. How do people end up becoming an entrepreneur? How do they scale and grow their businesses? How do they plan for profit? Are they in it for life or are they building to exit? These and a myriad of other topics will be discussed to pull back the veil on the wizardry of successful and fascinating entrepreneurs. My book, Relentless, is now available everywhere books can be bought online, including Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. Try your local indie bookstore too, and if they don't have it, they can order it. Just ask them. The reviews are streaming in and I'm so thankful for the positive feedback as well as hearing from people that my memoir has impacted them positively. It is not enough to be resilient. You have to be relentless. You can go to therelentlessbook.com for more information. Thank you so much. Tom Ferry is the CEO and co-founder of Stakester, an esports mobile app that allows competitors to play their favorite online games for cash and prizes. He also hosts the Back Yourself Show podcast. We talk about how he came up with the idea for Stakester, how to get your startup going, and how founders should delegate. Now let's get right into it. Okay, so uh, Stakester, officially, we're in a skill-based competition platform. But let's put that into reality, what that means. I love competition, but I think the gambling is for idiots. But I accept that when you put money on something, it's a bit more exciting. Do you know what I mean? Like, it just makes it a bit more spicy. But I, because I'm hyper-competitive and I want to encourage positive behavior, I want to create a company whereby you're putting money on yourself. Okay, so instead of putting on an outcome you can't control, let's put money on ourselves in a competition and get a bit more exciting. And then, Natasha, if we had a race right now, I mean, I'd win because I'm unbelievably quick. <laughs> but like, if we did it normally, we'd be like, we just go pretty hard. But if I said, let's do this for 100 bucks, we're going to burn our feet out. Okay, because it's just more exciting. Someone's so going to get could- hurt. Well, someone is going to get hurt. Yeah, <laughs> your feelings. That's what's going to get hurt. And then, uh, but I was like, look, I wish you want to create a platform whereby, you know, if I'm playing a game of FIFA or NFB Madden or whatever, in a game of skill, I just want to do it so I can do, uh, I want to play for some money against my buddies or against someone else who's of the same skill level. So I create a platform which does exactly that. So Stakester matches you against someone of the same similar skill level who wants to play the same game for the same amount of money pretty much anywhere in the world. And it's going pretty well. So that's who we are. You had talked about wanting to share, and I would love to know this because I haven't really had a formal startup. I started my business 20 years ago, but nobody would have called it a startup. So the four steps to take to get it going, because I mean, there's more than that, but what are the first four steps? (laughs) Okay. So the first step is just the idea. Okay. So you got to have the idea first. Okay. And that's... I talk about how do you find an idea for something? And here's, you've got to get yourself in the mindset of looking for problems that need solving, or maybe you want to just make something better. So I say that get in the practice every day of saying, wouldn't it be cool if, or wouldn't it be better if? So for example, wouldn't it be cool if I had more hair? Okay, I've got an idea for a startup. <laughs> I'm going to make wigs, okay, or <laughs> whatever. You know, wouldn't it be cool if, wouldn't it be better if? Okay. And get in the habit of finding that. And because there are 
I say this as well. There are billion dollar opportunities everywhere. If something frustrates you, you can make a billion dollar business out of it. Because if it frustrates you, it probably frustrates someone else. That's the first step. The second step is the testing. Okay, right. So the second step is this. It's really early stage. You've got to go in. We're talking really early stage here. The worst advice anyone can ever give you is don't tell them about your startup. They're going to steal your idea. <laughs> Shut up. No, they're not. No one cares. No one's going to steal your idea. They've got jobs. They've got lives. They've got things to be doing, getting on with. And also, it doesn't matter if they steal their idea. You're going to build it better than they do. Okay. We take Twitter and Instagram. Those aren't particularly original ideas. They're just doing it better than anyone else. Okay, so just don't worry about that. Talk to everyone about your business. And what that'll do is that'll help you shape it because it's good to build something around a problem that you've experienced. You want to ask people about it because that will help you understand if it really is a problem and if it's worth solving. Idea, market testing. The next step is the self-awareness piece. It's not, that's the fourth step. Edit that. (laughs) The next step, okay, next step is like, how do I turn this into something that actually exists? Okay. So I've got the idea. I know it's a good idea and people are going to need this. There's a demand for this. Now I have to flesh this out. Now I have to put together a plan for how I'm going to go from having no customers to having a customer. That first step, what do I need to build? (laughs) And write down everything you need to build. And then we get to number four, which I think is the most important step. And this is building your team. The hardest part. Oh, it's so hard because, but this thing is the first thing you've got to do is you've got to have self-awareness. That's actually the hardest thing, self-awareness. Do you know what I mean? The hardest thing, you've got to sit down, you've got to be really honest with yourself. What am I good at? It's easy for me because I'm not very good at anything. Okay. (laughs) So it was easy. I need someone to do everything. No, I mean, for me, let me be honest, like I know what I'm good at. I'm good at getting people excited. Okay. That's what I do. I'm I'm just a hype guy, just a cheerleader. I knew that's what I was going to be good at. So I needed to go and find people to do all the other jobs. So I wrote down all the jobs I needed doing and all the jobs that I could do, which was basically none. I was like, I've got to go and get those people. And I've got to go and convince those people that this is going to change their life. This is going to make them happy. It's going to give them fulfillment. It's going to give them freedom. It's going to give them everything that they don't have that they want. And that's it. That's it. Idea. Yeah. Test. I've got questions. Okay. So you've got lots of ideas. I know I can tell because your personality exudes that. How did you funnel out a million other ideas and get to Skatester? And then how did you do the steps for yourself? And I think formulating that around what you do is going to make it clearer. Okay, right. So take exactly what happened. I was part of a startup previously and I got to learn about what it means to be hyper growth and thinking you have freedom, but actually you're just at the behest of some investors. You don't really know, usual stuff. But I wasn't very happy there. And so I left and I was trying to find my own idea because, you know, arrogantly, like every founder, I thought I should be running a business. Of course, that's why you run a business because you think you're better than everyone else. But like, this is a true story. Verbatim, Natasha. I'm on the jujitsu mat in the gym. Okay, now I like jujitsu. I'm not very good, but I like it. But I've had a little bit of success in another martial arts, I'm called Muay Thai, which is Thai boxing. And I'm on the mat in the gym, and this guy comes in. He's got a vest on, he's got big arms. And he walks past, he goes, I recognize you, you're going to win a competition. You can tell from the accent, he's Russian. And I said, yeah, do you know what? I did win a competition. Thanks. Thanks, man, I did. His follow-up to that changed my life. He said, but you look so weak. <laughs> I was like, oh, fair enough. And then in his defense, I do look weak. And I said, all right, cheers, mate. Thanks for the burn. 
Yeah. And he said, how about we spar sometime? I said, I've just met this guy. I've never seen this guy before in my life. And he's challenging me to a fight. And of course, of course, because I am arrogant and stupid. I said, yes. I said, let's do it. And then I said, let's do it for some money. Let's okay. do it, buddy. <laughs> made this interesting. Let's do this for some money. And he was like, okay, we do this for the money. We do it for 10 pounds. But he sounds like he's half Italian, half <laughs> Russian, which maybe he is. I don't know. I know he's definitely Russian. Anyway, so for those of you who are listening to the story, no, if anyone knows anything about, about jiu-jitsu is that, like, it works, <laughs> okay? And this guy didn't know what he was doing. He was just very big and strong and thought that he could beat me because of that. And so I'm not very good, but I was better than him. So I put him in something called a triangle and I, he tapped out within, like, 30 seconds. Anyway, he got really annoyed. He's like, you'll cheat, you'll use your legs. And I was like, no, 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 but dude, you, this is the rules with jiu-jitsu, big guy. That's how this works. Anyway, he's like, uh, he's annoyed. He storms off. And I'm like, where's my money? And he said, oh, I pay you next time. I'm like, no, 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 no. You pay me now, mofo. He's like, no, I have no cash. And I was like, well, okay, fine. There's got to be an app for this. I'll get my phone out. I'll flick through my phone. And then boom. I'm like, there's an idea here. Interesting. Okay. And so the original idea, Natasha, was I'm going to make an app, which means that I can wrestle Russian people <laughs> for money and make sure they pay up. That's kind of the original idea. That's a good idea because it's a problem I experienced. So I went and spoke to some people about it and realized no one else has this problem. <laughs> okay. No one else has this problem. But what I did realize is that there is a need for this in gaming. Okay. Now I grew up in a household with a pro gamer. My brother was one of the first ever pro gamers. So I hated gaming growing up because, of course, you know, that's what losers did. I played real sports. But of course, as I grew up, I realized that's not really true. That's what everyone does. And so there's a huge demand for it. And so I decided, actually, look, I couldn't find anybody that really gave me that kind of opportunity to do this and made it feel like they covered that gap between like the elite gamer and the guy who just wants a bit of excitement. So I know nothing about gaming. My background is I worked in financial crime, okay? And I worked in banks. I don't know anything about gaming. And so I looked at my skill sets and didn't have it. So I was like, okay, I need someone in my network. So I look at my network and I'm like, I don't know anyone in gaming, but I do know someone who used to work for EA Sports. Her name is Monica. And so I phone up Monica. I'm like, hey, Monica, I need some help. I need someone to help me out who knows a little bit about gaming. She's like, well, have you met my fiance? And I was like, Monica, I don't want to meet your fiance. Because, well, he created Grand Theft Auto, the biggest selling game of all time. This is true. I literally got my phone out. And I'm on the phone to her. And I said, like, what's he doing tomorrow night at six? She's like, I'm in London. And she's like, oh, do you want to do a Zoom? And I'm like, no, 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 I'm looking at flights. I'm going to be in New York tomorrow night at six to meet this guy. So I hopped on a plane straight over. I met him. His name's Gary. He's British. So of course, we got along very well because he's incredibly intelligent and handsome like all Englishmen. And then we fell in love and now we've got an amazing business. There you go. That's the story. That's pretty amazing because that is a stretch from wrestling a Russian. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that, all of that, that first bit. That first to what bit you have really... now. Yeah. But just to focus on that glimmer and that glint of opportunity and possibility and then amplifying it to its fullest potential. And when I say amplify, you taking that opportunity of meeting Gary and not getting on a Zoom, but getting on a flight, that separates the people that are doing from the people that are dreaming. So good on you. So you talk about having people on your board to help you solve problems. Are you talking about an advisory board or... Is this a formal board of directors? I believe that when you have your business, you are going to have 
more problems than you can ever anticipate. And you don't know what those problems are going to be. Okay. So what you have to do is you have to build a huge network of people that might be helpful in the future. Okay. Because you don't know. In the same way, you might be helpful to them. So people sometimes come to me and they're like, hey, Tom, can you help me with this? And I'm like, probably not, but I'll try. Because this is where I think there's a big thing about being an entrepreneur where it's about breaking rules. Okay. The rules state that I didn't work in gaming. Therefore, I cannot be a success in gaming. That's what the rules state. And I'm like, that's not true. You just work hard and you learn the game. So I went out and I made as many possible connections as I could within the startup world, within the gaming world. I just, just met them, just hung out with them, just went for coffee with them before COVID, even just met up with them for Zoom, Zoom, just be like, hey, buddy, what are you into? What do you do? Can I help out? Do you want to come on my podcast? There's loads of things. <laughs> Anything I can do, just try and develop a relationship with these people. And then that means that when problems arise in my business, I had someone to turn to. You know, it might be that I paid them. I might give them some equity, depending on the amount of work they do. But the whole point is, and also most people are willing to help. So my advice to anyone who's starting a business is that 99% of running a business is just having amazing people and the people who help you. Because you be, all you're doing really is sending emails, doing Zoom calls and building, building stuff. Like it's, so yeah. you're a great delegator. And that's a wonderful thing to be as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, if you want to win. And if you don't want to be a slave to working in your business day to day, I'm curious to know, I understand that you've learned about gaming. Do you play? Is that an interest of yours now? Or do you just really know about it because you've studied it? I'm not allowed to play. I'm yeah. too addicted to everything. Oh, it would I ruin see. my life. I can't do anything. I gotcha. I gotcha. I gotcha. I played Civilization the other week. Okay. <laughs> I played Civilization. It's a really old, it's an old man game. I played Civilization. I lost eight hours of my day. And it was a Tuesday. It was a Tuesday, you, Natasha. And you couldn't stop. No, I can't. That's why I've never taken any drugs and I don't drink because I know that I'd become addicted. Yeah. Yeah. So talking about getting great people around you, I'm talking to my daughter about helping her start a business. And I had said to her, you know, I have over 20 years in business. And I said to her, if you want my help, right, if you want my investment, we're going to do it right. And part of doing it right is not doing it the way I did it, which was just bootstrap and like grasping at straws for years. And I was successful, but I could have been much more successful. And I said, you need a great advisory team. Now you can structure that in any way, right? You can have advisors you pay. You can have mentors you don't pay. You can phone a friend. You can put together a board of advisors. And if you are taking on outside capital, a board of uh, directors and such. But I like that your idea of make sure that you meet like all the people and just have them ready at hand because you do not know ever what's going to be coming up, which I want to stress to anyone listening to this that isn't quite there yet. Yeah, and I think there's absolutely truth in that. And I think, look, and the people you bring on, the ones that are most helpful aren't always the ones you expect. So you might have some massive name on your board or a massive name investor who you think this person is going to open all the doors for me. The truth is that person probably is opening doors for a lot of people all the time and you are not the priority for them. Whereas you find people who are kind of on the way up and they're just getting their first kind of experience in that level or they're, you know, those are the people who really put the graft in because they really care about you. And also like they're the people that if they care about you, they're going to give you more. Right. The care um, and enthusiasm is really important. And I'm not really big in the influencer world, but I'm really learning that micro influencers rather than the giant ones yeah. are the ones that move the needle rather mm -hmm. than 
the ones with millions of followers necessarily, because you can tell when someone's up there parading something for money and they actually don't really know what it does or yeah. <laughs> anyway. So let's talk about cold emails. I really want to know about this. You talk about, a f- I love your three rules. So what are the three rules to send cold emails that yielded hundreds of thousands in investments? Yeah. Come on. Yeah, yes. Half, yeah, half a million bucks, basically. Yeah. Okay. So there is, there's always three rules to every email. It's really simple. Right? It's okay. a really good number. It feels good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Four is too okay. much. Six, like, forget it. Okay. So easy. Gain their interest, first of all. Just make it interesting. Two, gain credibility. Three, ask for something. Simple as that. Okay. I always say interest, credibility, and action. It's that simple. Everything else in there is irrelevant. Okay. Okay. Try it on me. I want you to gain my attention. Just, yeah, let's do it. Hey, Natasha, my business does this. We have grown by X and we have done Y and we are now going to do Z. I'm currently working with ABC. Okay. And I have a team made up of DEF. I would love to have a chat with you about becoming an investor in my business. Let me know if you have any time for a call next week. Done. That's it. That's all it is. I've got you excited because I've said some big numbers. I've shown my credibility because I've got association to other people or I have a team that is incredibly impressive. And then thirdly, I've just asked you to do something. The biggest mistake that people make when they write emails, there's a few, but I would say there's three. Who makes the rules over what level of formality you should have in an email? Who made those rules? Where is it written down in the world that I have to start an email with dear? Dear sir or madam. Yeah, where does it say that? Where does it say it? All right. Okay. That's number one. Two, self-confidence. You are giving, no matter what the scenario is, there is an exchange of value. If you're a salesperson, you are offering to solve someone's problem and make their life better. Okay. If you are raising money, you are saying to that person, I am going to give you the opportunity to put money in my business. So you might make a squillion pounds in the future. I'm letting you join this ride. Okay, you be confident about that. Don't think you're begging. You're not begging. You're setting up a partnership. You've got to be confident. Number one, just don't like have it, make that conversation a peer conversation. Talk to me the way that you would talk to a colleague or a friend, not your best mate. That might be a bit too familiar. A little bit. But you, yeah, so you've got to be there. Okay. And the third is like, don't make it too long. No one cares. If you email, it's going to come up on my phone. If I get a block of text that's longer than four lines, I promise you I'm not reading it. You do not have enough interesting things to say. So just tell me the really interesting stuff that's going to hook me in. Because remember, you're not trying to sell to me in that email. You are selling me a meeting or a conversation. You're not selling your product. You're not selling the investment. Okay. And that's what people mess up all the time. They're like, I'm going to send you a really long email. So you're setting them up for the hook. Well, or you're hooking them for the screw. Okay. I don't know if that's legal to say on the air. It is. So that's great. I do very much believe in short and succinct. And I've recently realized, even though I'm a pretty bold, confident, I kind of ask for, I want, get what I want. There was a situation where I was a little shy about asking someone for something. And that person said, ask me fortune favors the bold. And I didn't even respond right away and say, okay, so will you do this? 
I waited a little while and I said, I've thought about it and I'm ready for the ask. And it's interesting what happens then. So yeah, if anyone's listening that is feeling like they don't, first of all, you got to get the courage and the charisma and the confidence to make that ask. Okay. Tom, what is the biggest challenge this moment today that you're facing in your business? As great as it may be, what's the number one thing that you're focusing on right now trying to solve? Same problem. If you only have one problem in a business, in truth, okay? And that is making sure that your team are performing to the best of their ability. And there's so many factors that affect that. It's not just driving them and screaming in their face and saying, come on, you got this. It's about making sure that they get enough time off and they're relaxed and they're happy and they're doing work that brings them fulfillment. It's about your job as a leader. You are just a head coach. You're just there to get the best out of people in your team. And if you pick the right team and you get the best out of them, you'll get the best results. Mm-hmm. It's always the same thing. It's about trying to get maximum performance from your team. And anyone who thinks there's anything else, they say, oh, it's because I can't raise money or the market's bad. Shut up. Okay. You have the right team. You win. And getting them to believe in the path. You have seen it so many times in sport where you have a team that technically, physically, skillfully do not have what it takes to win a championship. But because they work together and because they believe, they win. How many times has that happened in history? Countless. Okay, that's what matters. That is the hardest thing every day. And if it's not the hardest thing you're doing every day, you're not focusing on the right things. I think talking to any entrepreneur that has been in business for a time will answer that question with something regarding the people, right? And you answered it in a more robust way, which is wonderful. So beyond people, so kind of taking them off the table, what is the strategy that you're going to focus on for growth this year? So you can't use the challenge in reverse. I think the thing for me, technically in our business, is making our product available to the most people possible. And always do that. So we'll probably move to a, a uh, probably a crypto-only model in some countries and some regions and try to bridge that gap so that people have, I guess, currency equity. So someone in Singapore can play someone in Canada. Someone in the US can play someone in China and they have parity there. And crypto gives people that ability to do that. So I think building something in that space is going to make the biggest difference for us. That is amazing. I am very interested in crypto and NFTs and Web 3.0. And I talk to people and they're like, oh, well, I don't know what that is. That's the future. I'm like, no, it's the now and you're behind. And in fact, I know about it. I'm behind. So you're going to take the challenges of running a business, being an entrepreneur, co-founder, CEO, and now you're layering on another challenge that actually is a strategy in disguise for growth. How quickly do you think you see crypto changing the trajectory of your business? Interesting. So personal story. So I became 100% crypto as a human being last year. So everything I have, essentially cash-wide, all moved into crypto. Okay. As you can imagine, that's an emotional ride. But like, it's tough. It's like glorious sometimes. And then like, heart-wrenching. Yeah, exactly. But that's life and it's worth it, I think. I think the world will move to that model. I think we will evolve and we'll move to that model. And I think once we get, I think we're such early stage of adoption here because yes, of course, like in this hyper-privileged community that we talk about, like the entrepreneurs and the founders and the professionals, like we're all like, yeah, 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 it's the future. 
it is the now for us, as you've said, but then there are other areas of society that need to adopt for it to really become the future. But I think what's great about crypto is the leveling method of it. It makes it level. So it means that everyone can have the same level pegging field. The problem is for me at the moment is that there's so many currencies. There's almost more currencies than there are fiat currencies. And so it's almost like, yes, the technology makes sense and it's a bit more of us, but I think there needs to be an apex predator. I think that's what it needs to be. And I, I don't know if it's bit, I don't know if it's Ethereum, I don't know if it's Solana, I don't know. But I think there needs to be an apex predator. And when we start to see that really take form, then I think it will start to become ubiquitous. And will so, you yeah. use your entrepreneurial mind to move into another business in addition around crypto in that world? Or will you really just double down and focus on Skatester? Well, the thing about Skatester is that I have a responsibility to everyone here to make them, to fulfill them, to give them what they want, to give them the yeah, financial freedom for the rest of their lives. That's my plan is to make everyone here in my business have financial freedom, okay, as a result of our success. And so that has to be my focus. Yeah. And I don't think it will, but crypto, well, blockchain um, and Web3 will be a f- significant part of our success. It's not a... It's sort not of a separate it's, thing. It's, no, it's it, the two marrying together. Yeah. Want to know more about me? Go to my website, officialnatashamiller.com. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you loved the show. If you did, please subscribe. Also, if you haven't done so yet, please leave a review where you're listening to this podcast now. I'm Natasha Miller, and you've been listening to Fascinating Entrepreneurs.